Now, if you weren't with us already, we'll welcome you along to the gardening programme this morning, Pori. Good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Georgia. Uh, I, I believe the listeners were ringing in yesterday, Good Friday. Thinking that you and I would be on. Oh, because so the guys the, were telling me oh, on the morning program. Oh, yeah, there's several questions in. Where where are can hear this morning? I good didn't Friday. hear that. I didn't yeah, hear yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, that's well, that's the feedback anyway. Okay, so. well, we are here this morning, and that's the most important thing. Sure and we're it's with hard, you it's for a full easy, hour. Very easy mix up the days, isn't it? It's hard well, to figure out which day. It if is. you're out of your normal routine yeah. at all at the minute, and I know a lot of people are, whether it's partially, entirely, or maybe on the other side, you might be just flat out at work because of your particular work. Um, yeah, it is very hard. And I, I I, was not on my usual routine this week. And I was really conscious this morning going, make sure you don't forget to set the clock and yeah, that yeah, you yeah. are absolutely up because. Uh, and then yesterday I thought, oh, why? What day are we again? Don't so, worry, yeah. I'd have been here anyway. Okay, that's I'd good to know. Anyway. That's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so, and that's the most important thing, Rory, let me tell you. So listen, it's situation normal in, in relation to garden centres. Uh, um, the minister came out yesterday with, with, uh, with um, the declaration that obviously businesses and situation normal, I suppose, for the next three weeks. So garden centres will remain closed. Situation normal being everything is closed. closed yeah, yeah, just So yeah. garden centres, certainly Hawkins will be closed anyway for the, for the foreseeable future. We do have the online business and it's it's going great guns um, so people can, can get us on horkins.ie um, I would say to people just to be a little bit patient with the delivery drivers because DPD um, ship our, our uh, gardening materials all over the country and um, they have a, um, you know they, they generally would get it within a couple of days but they have to prioritise the um, PPE the, the safety equipment uh, first and foremost so that goes out first so so garden centres Hawkins will remain closed certainly for the foreseeable future until May uh, but people can get us on Hawkins.ie and um, so, so just let people know that because okay. there was a little bit of confusion I think over the, the last few days there was the uh, yeah I, I know I think I saw one or two headlines as if certain businesses were allowed to be open but I yeah. think that yeah a bit of confusion and it was clarified then so no things are now. as they have been for the last two weeks pretty yeah. much and continuing on in the same vein over the next couple of weeks but as Porrick said uh, online offerings are there uh, takes a little bit longer perhaps because of all the demand um, but is it most certainly is an avenue uh, for people and I know there are a couple of questions in just in relation to that and how it works etc but I suppose specifically we will we will just say it is just online it isn't a phone service or anything like that it's not a phone service just online at the moment and and I I appreciate some people maybe aren't in a position maybe they don't have the technology or the knowledge or whatever it is but you know maybe ask family and friends uh, to help you out if there is something you want to go online yeah but but I suppose just the, 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 the one can only work within uh, the parameters that have been set by uh, the state and the government. So that's what people are doing and that's what retailers are doing. Absolutely. Now, I see the words Nora Ralph Castlebar here and I hear you have a great story for I me. I do. Well, it, it was probably the highlight of my week. Um, Nora Ralph is is a young lady in Castlebar who is heading or hitting, I should say, social media in a big way. And anybody that has sh- seen her, her blogs and her Facebook and her Instagram, it's Nora on food. Okay. And Nora is the daughter of Barry Ralph, who is a, a chef in Castlebar who runs the House of Plates. And Barry would be renowned not just for being a brilliant chef, but also a great grower as well and he grows a lot of the produce that he would normally cook in his restaurant in his back 
in the in the back of the restaurant. So he's got an urban farm or an urban garden where he grows all his uh, plants or organically, all his veg and fruit, and serves them up then normally when the the restaurant is ro- open in the house of plates. And uh, he and Nora paid me a visit during the week, and uh, Nora is actually. Uh, I suppose has taken the lead from Barry in terms of learning how to cook and learning how to uh, grow plants and she's a brilliant forager. Okay. So she goes out with her Wellingtons on foraging around obviously within the two kilometre uh, distance but foraging for lots of edible plants and fruits and, and so on. Um, and she paid me a visit during the week now, Nora is, uh, as I say, she has, uh, she's a blogger. She's done lots of, of videos and showing how to, little cooking tips and so on. And Nora is only four since Monday. Wow, well, <laughs> happy, so happy was, belated birthday, Nora, first so of all. So she was three up till Monday and four uh, this last Monday. And so she, uh, one of the things she wanted for her birthday was some vegetable plants. So we helped her out and she went home with some peppers and tomatoes and turnips and cabbage and kale and you name it to plant. So Nora's spending her weekend with her dad, I'm sure, and ma'am, planting all the vegetables in the garden. But she is an absolute wow and she's well worth check her out on Facebook it's Nora on food Nora, and give her yeah. give her a, a reach out and a like but she will make your day she's absolutely fantastic on camera and I was actually thinking that she'd be probably sitting in this seat in the next couple of years because she's across I think between Amonti Don and Hugh from R- River Cottage and probably Claude McKenna that sort of a mix she is an Wonderful. absolute wow at four years of age so I just said I'd, I'd, I'd kind of mention her today she's well, well worth it will make your day to pop onto her Facebook page, Nora on Food. And I think it probably evokes, you know, the great thing of family at the moment and, you know, parents going out with their kids and growing and foraging and, and cooking and so on. And she evokes that. And I thought uh, she's absolutely brilliant at four years of age and somebody to keep an eye out for, I think, in the future, because I can see her certainly on, on TV or radio in the future, or certainly blogging. Uh, she's a fantastic blog and many people have liked it. And I mean, she's thousands of, of listeners or uh, listeners, I was going to say, followers at the moment. Uh, so, you know, her, her videos go viral. So she's a she's a, a name to look out for. So that's Nora okay, Ralph. That's on my to do list anyway, a bit later on today. Yeah, have a look at that. Go on to her Facebook or Instagram page. Give her a like, give her a thumbs up. And I'm sure she'll be sharing lots of content. And one of the things I'd like to do on the programme in a couple of weeks' time is pay her a visit and visit her garden uh, and just see, get her on on. Uh, and on record or yeah, and, and get her maybe to do time. maybe do foraging or something like that. Absolutely, it'd be lovely to do something yeah. with her, just a thing. But she was telling me yesterday that um, she goes out at night time and he picks the slugs. I said, "What do you do with the slugs in your garden?" Oh, go out at night time and I pick them off the plants. And like she's just a real wow. <laughs> so a very interesting character. So look look her up on uh, Nora on food on Facebook, give her a like and give her a thumbs up and follow her. Her um, She's going to be planting all those plants. She's sown lots of seeds with her dad over the last couple of weeks so they've got the place uh, rocking and rolling okay, at the moment. and maybe if you've got younger people in your own house as well, that might be, exactly, a, it'd be an inspiration. A, a kind of a, a way to engage yeah. if uh, they're not already doing so, although I do think lots of people are. So, what are our projects for Easter weekend? Yeah, well, I was, I was just thinking what, people, what can people do in the garden and look at uh, it, it. The weather is certainly up for the next 10 days so it's, it's absolutely Absolutely perfect. I'd say every lawn has been cut at this stage around the garden. I'm sure the power hoses have been out. But the sort of things, and I see some of the questions coming on online there. People are chatting about the daffodils. They're beginning to go over a little, some yeah. of the early flowering ones. And this is the time that we split daffodils and transplant them to other areas of the garden. So if you've got 
spring bulbs that are going out of bloom, you'll notice that the leaves are getting a little bit longer. They start to get untidy at this time of year. So things like snowdrops and crocuses and daffodils, if you want to propagate them and move them to other areas of the garden, this is the time that you dig them up and you transplant them. And the growth has been relatively slow because the temperatures are still quite cool. So we can still divide many of our herbaceous flowering plants like hostas and astilbes and asters, rudbeckias, ground-covering geraniums, those perennial geraniums that come back year after year, the arum lilies that are very popular and blue agapanthus. They're sort of herbaceous plants that multiply and you can simply dig them up now and transplant them and, and split them into a couple of pieces and plant them in new areas of the garden. So they're effectively plants for free. So if you've got any of those in your garden, this is a great time of year. They're, they are starting to grow. It's probably the last week uh, that you're going to have the opportunity to lift them. So if you want to propagate some of those plants, then do it this weekend would be my advice. It's also a really good time of year for taking the cuttings of, of young plants. So if you've got things like, um, you know, things like the nemesia that we talked about last week mm-hmm. or geraniums and you want to slit them as cuttings, this is a good time of year to do that. The feeding of all plants, so growth is starting. You'll see the buds coming out on, on your trees and your shrubs in the garden. So with that growth and particularly with a bit of moisture we're getting at night time, so we're getting a good heavy dew at night. We also got some rain yesterday. A little bit, a sprinkling now. And the farm Farmers are actually crying out for rain at the moment because any you know if you're putting fertilizer out, you need it's that little drop of rain. So the soil is drying up to a very workable stage, but also it's a really good time to feed plants. So if you've got your roses or trees or shrubs, then get the fertilizer out this week if you can. And feeding lawns and the general feeding of plants should commence at this time of year. The repotting of indoor plants can occur now. So if you've got indoor plants that are need to be moved on to a larger pot, then this is a good time of year to actually do that. And it's the time that we start to increase watering and start to increase feeding in house plants as well. So you're kicking them back into growth again. If you've got any damaged lawns, so many people have been putting out the moss control and, and feeding their lawns. And if there are any bare patches now, again, the reseeding of lawns can be done now in April. April, early May is a really good time as the temperatures rise. So small bit of grass seed, you get it online, mix it with a bit of compost and brush it into a grass area. It'll germinate within a couple of weeks. And the sowing of wildflower seed, if you have any wildflower seed or you get it online, then that can be sown as well at this time of year and it will germinate in the next couple of weeks. So the sowing of seed, the feeding of plants, the pruning back of plants, uh, the division and dividing and taking cuttings of plants, all of those things happen at this time of year. Um, if you have some seed, veg seed or onion sets, again, a super time to get them into the soil. And the other thing, like Nora mentioned, the slug and, and snail control. Keep an eye on that because um, there's lots of them about, particularly after the mild, wet winter. Um, they'll be coming on to your hostas, your, uh, your, your, your rhubarb or whatever plants you have in the garden. Mm. Or if you have young seedlings, they're going to be damaging. So do keep an eye, an eye on those. Either go out at night time and pick them up. Yeah, or, or Or uh, take some, some control with uh, either organic slug pellets or the copper tape. Or, but do keep an eye on them because they are going to be uh, problematic this spring. And plants like camellias are absolutely stunning this year. They're in full flower at the moment. So now is the time of year to start feeding camellia plants, rhododendrons and his alias, the spring flowering plants, you can use the ericaceous feed, that lime-free feed, um, particularly in a liquid form or in a granulated form, and apply that to spring flowering plants. So camellias in particular, they're absolutely stunning at this time of year. They're going to go on for probably another three or four weeks, but it's at this time of year we start to feed them and build them up for next year. Same with our rhododendrons, which will be coming into flower in May, and azaleas. So all of those spring, early summer plants will benefit from um, a feed. A feed. And 
it's time to get the greenhouse, if you haven't done it already, and the tunnel, get it clean, cleaned out, get it started. And um, if you have any pests from last year, you can use those little smoke bombs at this time of year, which are very effective at cleaning out any pests that might be problematic. So they're the type of things, dear, to that. Uh, can be done in the garden. Look, there's lots to be done. And, um, you know, I did mention last week the pruning back of hydrangeas, the pruning back um, of some of the summer flowering plants like buddleias. You can still do that. If you didn't get down round to pruning your roses, go out there and prune them now. Now, even though you're seeing some young growth on them, they will benefit from that, a good pruning back and a feeding with that. So don't be afraid to... April, the season is just a little bit late, just because we've the temperatures the have been relatively cool. Yeah, um, even though there is growth being initiated, it's not really it has accelerated just yet. Mm. It probably will. You mentioned that it's going to be warmer next week. We will have frost at night time as well, and um, so you're going to see a burst probably of growth next next week and uh, this coming week. So a great weekend to go out and, and, and prune back and tidy back your plants. Don't be tempted to put out any tender plants just yet. So if you've got tomato plants, for example, keep them sheltered just yet. The cold temperatures will affect them at night time. Or if you've got bedding plants, um, say like French marigolds or busy lizzies or some geraniums, don't be tempted to put them out. It's too early yet. The frost will damage them at night time. So hardy plants are fine, perfectly okay. But anything that would be tender, leave it till the end of April, early May generally before there's, it's safe to put anything tender outside. If you've got vegetable plants like lettuce and cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower and all of those, they're perfectly fine to go out. Onion set, shallots, they can be planted out. Garlic can be planted out into the garden soil. Uh, but it's just those little bit tender plants like cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, that needs to be inside. Dahlia plants, for example, are better kept inside at the moment with, with the uh, promised cold temperatures. And we get that. When you get the high pressure during the day, yeah, you get frost, frost at night. night. So um, for at least another three to four weeks, you need to keep an eye on the frost. And even if you've got plants in your greenhouse, it's no harm to throw a little bit of garden fleece over them at nighttime just to keep them protected and keep any risk of frost off, off the, uh, the plants. So they're the type of things to be doing. Okay, we have droopy hyacinths. My hyacinths are still in flower, but all drooping now. (laughs) When is the right time to cut them back? And is it safe to leave them in the ground or should I dig them up? I have some planted in the garden and some are in pots. Oh yeah, and it's a great way to grow hyacinths. And this this is what happens with hyacinths at this time of year. The the flower is so heavy, it just tends to to fall over. Uh, So that's perfect situation normal. The flowers begin to finish. um, So over the next week, you could actually cut the flower head out of off the plant and then just liquid feed it and build them up for next year. Now hyacinths out of doors will last maybe two years, maybe three years, and after that they tend to die away. So they're not a they're not as reliable as our daffodils or acapanthus or any of the other bulbs. So enjoy them, cut them back, liquid feed them, and they're perfectly happy out of doors. But you'll only get probably another year, maybe two years out of them, and then they'll they'll start okay. to die away. Okay, now I got a beautiful plant last year called Cotinus dusky maiden. Yeah, beautiful leaves on it. It shed its leaves. Do you think it'll come back? I've pruned a small bit off it, and it's still green under the bark. I love this plant. I live in Belmullet. Oh, in Belmullet of all places. Yeah, well look at uh, Cotinus is a really simple plant to grow. It doesn't come into leaf until the end of April. 
So there's nothing uh, wrong. It's situation normal. It shouldn't be in leaf this early. Uh, so it's perfectly fine. It does benefit from trimming back and I would take at least maybe, if the plant is say three feet high, take a foot off it at least because the more you prune cotinus, the nicer the colour you get from it. So cotinus has beautiful purple, reddish leaves, spring, summer, and then in autumn they go a lovely orange-red colour. It's one of my favourite garden plants, to be honest, because it's a really lovely thing. Um, so that's cotinus. Um, give it a pruning back, give it a feed. It'll be in leaf in about three weeks' time, and it'll hold that leaf then right through till October, November. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine. OK. Now, a couple of photographs in of an apple tree, dwarf apple tree, about 10 years ago. Uh, it was purchased. I was told there are two varieties grafted onto one trunk. It produces flowers annually, but never any fruit. It's in the sunniest location in the garden. What feed can I give it to help it along? It really looks like it needs some attention. Yeah, it does. And I had to look at the picture and there's lots of moss on it and lichen on it as, as well. It does need a good feed. So I would use actually a rose fertiliser on it. So apply that on. Now, you, you need a fertiliser with high potash so something like the um, Osmo Pro 6 or a, or a good rose fertiliser apply it now repeat it in about five weeks time um, and that will that will encourage it back into growth and into, into flower they're called family apple trees so they've got two different varieties grafted onto the one tree so you get maybe a James Greve and a, and a Katie on the one one tree and they both cross pollinate one another uh, but they do benefit from feeding at this time of year and um, you could remove some of the lichen it doesn't necessarily do a lot of harm but sometimes you get pests that will, har- will hibernate in the in the lichen growth on the stem um, so that could be just cleaned off the tree as well. So tidy up the tree, give it a good feed, a rose feed and it'll be perfectly fine. Now Bridget is wondering about uh, sowing onions in the same drill as last year. Is that is that a good idea, bad idea, well, possible or not? It's not recommended in that if you continue to grow the same plant in the same piece of soil you know whether it's onions or potatoes or whatever um, A you build you, you rob the, the ground of the nutrients and onions people don't think this but they actually do need a lot of feeding because they build up the layers if you think the amount of layers that are in an onion when you cut through it um, so it needs quite a good degree of fertiliser to um, and nutrients to, to develop really well so if the listener can move it to a, a different location and put something that's not in the same family like cabbage into that area or potatoes or some other crop in that area. So try to rotate the vegetables every year and really those onions should come back into that piece of soil maybe in two or in three to four years from now. So try to grow something different. Peas are great to grow because they add nitrogen to the soil as well. So try to grow something different rather than something in the onion family. Now, if you've only got that space and you want to grow onions, then look at rake the soil over, add some fertiliser and grow them. But you do run the risk of building up disease problems, pest problems, and also taking uh, specific nutrition from the soil. So it's better to crop rotate if you can. Okay. Um, somebody's wondering, um, they have some Osmo left over from last year or the year previously. Okay. Um, and uh, wondering, is it okay to use or do should they use the zero instead? Okay, so, so normally the steps are you apply the zero and the reason we apply the zero first is that zero will kill your lawn moss overnight. So if you put it on now, it's dead the following day. And then you would follow up with the Osmo um, fertilizer. So the Osmo is a feed, it greens mm. the lawn. Um, you can get Osmo moss remover if you wish, but you have to put that on at a heavier rate if you don't use the zero. I find it far more effective. Apply the zero first, then apply the Osmo and the 
the moss will be controlled and the lawn will green up within a week. And that's just, it's a better way to do it. You'll also be able to spread the Osmo over a greater area. You don't need as much of it if you use the Zero first. Okay. And it's perfect weather at the moment. And uh, the, the the Zero is a liquid. It's a liquid, yeah. Spray, no, it's yeah, a liquid. Yeah. You just mix yeah, it with water. You s- yeah, spray it on and away you go. And I just noticed another question here where um, people have used, and they've just said uh, lawn moss treatment, so I'm not specific. Yeah, yeah. But so they're, the grass has died back kind of black or it, you know, the moss has taken effect. Um, but it appears to be quite heavy. So in that instance, should they rake out some of that dead moss? Yeah, if it's if the moss, generally when you apply the zero, first of all, it won't it won't turn the lawn black, it'll turn the moss, the moss and discolour the yeah. mouth. If the moss is very heavy, it's a good idea to rake it out. And you'll get a special rake called a lawn rake for that or a springtime rake. So it doesn't damage the grass as you're pulling out the dead moss. So where it's heavy, it's a good idea to take that out and maybe reseed, add a bit of lawn seed with compost and brush it into that area. So trim the grass first of all, take out the dead moss and then mix up some lawn seed and and, and compost and just brush it into the area. So light moss, you don't need to rake it. Heavy moss, it's a good idea to rake it. And it will come out very, very easy once you've applied the zero. Okay. Now we have a picture of a a hedge with kind of a red flower on it. Red leaf. Red leaf. Thank you. Uh, So uh, identification, please. So first of all, this is Fortinia red robin. A great New Zealand plant, um, often planted for hedging or just grown for for um, as a colourful shrub in the garden. It makes a brilliant hedge in sheltered gardens because the more you trim it, the more colour you get from the plant. So here is a plant that I would recommend you prune at least twice, if not three times a year, because the more you prune it, the more colour you get from it. So it, it produces this lovely red foliage that later turns to a dark green in winter. Um, and as a hedge, you tend to have colour on it all year round because you're trimming it back. So the trimming of plants, of all plants, stimulates new growth. And particularly for hedging plants, and particularly for Fortinia, the more you trim it, the more new growth it has, the more colour you get from the plant. So it makes an excellent hedge particularly in urban gardens it's not one I'd recommend for exposed open um, and I just think it looks I don't think it looks in place in rural gardens to be honest now that's a personal thing it tends mm. to be it has that kind of urban look to it because it's so it has colourful. that more manicured type of a thing but also it's it's red I mean it's a brilliant yeah. red colour and yeah. it really stands it out as odd. a hedge yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, so for me it's a, it's a great urban plant the more you trim it and now is the time of year to cut it back uh, because lots of people don't like to trim it because they're cutting off the red shoots but you're better to trim it now feed it and those red shoots will be will double in quantity and you'll have a far nicer plant by early May or mid-May sort of thing. Brilliant, okay. Yeah, that was the question in relation to uh, trimming them all right. Yeah. Um, now, a lady has carrots in her polytunnel. When she pulled them up, they had root flight. Mm. Does she have, what does she have to do, does she do have to do anything rather with the soil before she plants more vegetables? Will the soil still have the root fly? Okay, well, so the way root fly, fly works is <clears throat> there are there are two generations in, 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 um, in the root fly family, as it were. So, so in the autumn, the, the eggs are laid by the, by the adult. They remain in bits of weeds or if you have old carrots in the ground, they'll remain there and they pupate and, come and emerge in May. And if you've got carrots in your soil in May, they tend to attack it. Um, so my advice really is to dig over that soil, rake it over, put something different into that soil this year. So a little bit like the onion question, um, plant you could plant onions in it, which are in a different family, or you could plant anything like lettuce or any of the salad crops into that piece of ground because carrot root fly won't attack those. So carrot root fly affects celery, celerac, parsnips, parsley, and carrots. 
So they're all in the carrot family and can be all affected by carrot root fly. So carrot root fly, it's named carrot root fly, will attack parsley mm. equally as well, or parsnips, or celerac, or celery. Um, so none of those should be grown in that piece of soil. I would plant something else. Again, same as the onions, rake a bit of fertiliser in. The Vitex Q4 would be very good, or SuperGrow fertiliser. They're both vegetable fertilisers. Rake it into the soil, sow your seeds, so sow your onions or your shallots or something different in that piece of soil this year. Now, having said all that, where you grow the carrots this summer, I would also use either EnviroMesh netting, which you can cover the plants with and it acts as a physical barrier mm. to keep the adult fly out, or you can use the nematodes later on in the summer. So generally carrot root fly is not a problem un- until May, because remember what I said, That's the first generation lot, yeah. uh, ger- or, or, or pupates at that time of year, and, and, and so they're hunting in May and early June. Uh, to, so that's really the period to, to be conscious of. Now, uh, Andy is wondering if you've any advice for a houseplant, Ficus Golden King. Yeah. It's losing its leaves at a mad rate. Okay. Is it the heat in the house, too much water, too much sunlight? Any tips will be Okay, welcome. so this is the fig, the, the variegated fig plant. Um, it is an indoor plant. It actually likes, it likes kind of a centrally heated house, but not overly. I mean, if it's up against a radiator and it's too warm, then certainly that will damage it. So because it's variegated as well, it needs a bright location. So it needs sunlight. It needs warmth but not excessive heat and I, my my guess here is that the plant has been overwatered because excessive watering on ficus or anything in the, in the uh, fig family will tend to get lead to leaf drop lots of leaf drop and that's obviously what's happening here if it's in the same pot for maybe more than a year and a half two years i would repot it at this time of year give it a liquid feed and just be careful on the watering put it into a nice bright location, maybe inside a window, but not up against a radiator. So somewhere warm, but bright, but not... Not, uh, not too warm. And, yeah, and ebb on the side of underwatering it. So if you keep it a semi-dry, then water, let it go semi-dry again, then rewash again. And you tend to get used to the weight of the plant. That's how I tell when a plant needs water. I just lift it. And by the by getting used to the weight of oh. the actual pot, you get to understand whether it's it's on it's overwatered or okay. underwatered and so on. Okay. Now I was tidying out the shed yesterday and I came across some bulbs, gladioli, uh calla lily, canna right. lilies, yeah. Bishop of Lamdaff. Yeah, that's and a dahlia, yeah. Agap- Agapanthus bulbs Blum, yeah. that are sprouting. Okay. Is it okay to put them outside? They're probably there since about January. All right. Okay. So, um, so the ones that you can plant directly out of doors. They mentioned agapanthus, so that can yes. go straight outside. Uh, what were they? There was bishop. Gla- yeah, gladioli. Gladioli can go straight outside. Canna lilies. So canna lilies are a little bit tender. I would start them indoors, and I would start the bishop of Landaff. That's a, a dahlia, a lovely red flowering dahlia. Start those inside, inside a, a window sill somewhere in, in a bit of compost. Get them kickstarted and plant those out later on in around the end of May. Uh, but certainly the agapanthus and the gladioli, they can go out into the garden soil, even those bits of buds starting on them. Okay, so it's a 50-50 there. Uh, spent mushroom compost, is it okay to use in the garden? I have a large garden with poor quality clay. Thought this might help. It will, absolutely. So what you've got there is horse manure, you've got some lime added and you've got the bedding or kind of a straw base. So you've got the bulk, which will help to break up the soil and you've got the nutrition from the farmer manure. So it's an excellent uh, material. Dig it into the soil, incorporate it into the soil that you have already and it'll be brilliant for vegetables or fruits or whatever you want to plant in the garden. You can also use it as a mulch. 
um, just literally just spill it out uh, through your shrubs or your beds and over time it'll the worms will actually work on it and bring it back down into the soil as well. So you can use it as a mulch or you can incorporate it into the garden soil if you're planting potatoes for example. Great material too. And loose, loosen things up. It'll loosen things up and it'll also act as a feed as well for, for your plants. Pork, what seeds or perennials can I plant now? Oh, endless. The endless. world is your oyster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> April is a time for the sowing of seed. Think what's happening in nature. Like the, the seeds are germinating that fell in the autumn. They're germinating in the soil now. So, I mean, you can sow lupins, delphiniums, foxgloves. Many of those won't they'll grow this year, but they won't flower into, into the following year. So most perennials flower the second year after sowing, but you can certainly sow them now and grow them to flower next year. All of the annual plants can be sown now. So all your favourite bedding plants, your, you know, Ageratum or Alisum or Lobelia or Geraniums or Salvia, all of those can be sown now. I would sow them indoors. Again, little seed tray, even a coffee cup, a little bit of compost, have it moist, covered over with cling film. They'll germinate within a you know, within a week or a fortnight, let them grow on for a bit and then you can plant them out. You can also look for hardy annuals. So the word hardy means that you can sow them directly out into the garden soil. So here I would be thinking of plants like Godetia, which is a really great plant, white alisum, um, things like the Californian poppies, cornflowers, they're all hardy annuals. So if you're searching online, look for hardy annuals and um, you can sow them with the kids directly out into the garden soil and they'll germinate. Okay, just to reiterate, I know we talked about this briefly last week, bedding plants are not being sold online. Am I correct in saying that? No, they're that? not. Plants don't transplant very well with the couriers. Now, I do notice that a number of the um, the forecourts, so Mulroy's and Castlebar have mm. bedding plants and there are a number of, you know, so they're beginning to stock bedding plants. Um, so they're, they're good yes, some, some are available, but uh, yeah. online it's predominantly seeds. Seeds, bulbs, um, you know, uh, all of that. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay, um, would laburnum trees grow in the Ackle area? I have other th- trees growing, so there would be a bit of shelter. Are they expensive? Okay, so it depends on the size of laburnum. Generally, most trees will cost you about 39, 40 euros, uh, but you're looking at a tree that's six feet high um, to when you when you buy it. Laburnums are in the pea family, the leguminosa family, and they don't have a very solid root base. So they tend to, in, particularly if the soil is wet or if there's a lot of wind, they tend to get rocked about a bit and they dislike that. So if it's a sheltered garden, as the listener uh, mentioned, then they've no problem growing it. Uh, laburnum will grow in a sheltered garden in Ackle or Balmullet, but the shelter is critical. So um, as long as you've got the shelter, a reasonably sunny spot, laburnum's like a free-draining soil, so make sure that it's, it's kind of nice and stony or gravelly, and apart from that, it, it makes a beautiful tree. Um, go for the variety Laburnum vossii, which uh, doesn't produce seed, because the seeds are poisonous on laburnums. Okay. Um, now, a lady has a rambling rose at the front of the house and they're full of black spots. What should she do? Well, I, I'm, I'm guessing that the, the uh, rambling rose must have retained its foliage from last year because they're only budding up at the moment, so the leaves are still on them. So first of all, if you haven't pruned it, I would give it a pruning back because you're going to remove quite a bit of the of the, the black spots and, and so on and the damaged leaves. And then feed it and then treat it with Rose Clear or Rose Rescue. So black spot is a fungal disease. It's like blight on potatoes or any other disease. Um, it can affect roses and it does overwinter on uh, the old leaves of roses. So if there are old leaves there, if there's only a small amount of leaves, take them off and dump them. But uh, give it a pruning, give it a feed and then use it as soon as the new growth starts to come. Use the Rose Rescue or Rose Clear once a month and that'll keep the disease and the pests 
of the plant. Okay. Um, now, some of the branches of my espalier apple trees have long areas which are devoid of offshoots and spurs. How can I encourage buds in these bare areas? Some of these areas are up to two feet, so it has a big impact on the crop. Okay. Now, and maybe if the listener actually sent a picture of the espalier. So by espalier, we mean, so they could WhatsApp it to us here yes, at yeah. 87 Yeah, um, and we'd have a, I'll have a closer look at it. But espalier is is a methodology of, of training apples against a wall. So you're actually creating, the, you grow them like a climber and you're bending down the stems. Now, generally, when you bend down an apple stem, because you're bending it, you're, rather, than you're, rather than growing vertically, it's going now horizontally. Mm. You tend to get lots of shoots arising along those branches. So it's important that with the espalier, you bend down those branches to at least a horizontal position. And that will encourage the apple stem to produce lots of buds along that stem. So you'll get lots of kind of new shoots coming along those stems. And on those shoots, you'll get your flower spurs. But maybe if the listener sends... Uh, WhatsApp's a picture in of the act specific idea. tree and I'll have a look at it in more detail and we could cover it later on today or, or um, next week on the programme. Program, yeah. Okay, lots of pictures, Pork. We're looking at this one here. Is this Wisteria Mary is wondering? No, it's not. We had a quick look at it. So th- this is Periwinkle or Vinca. It's a variegated Vinca. So it's a ground covering plant with lovely blue flowers and variegated foliage. Now it's a little bit <clears throat> untidy at the moment so my advice to Mary is to actually trim it back. Get your hedge clippers out and give it a really good hard trimming back. You know, within three or four inches of soil level. So give it a right good tighten back, even if you're removing a couple of flowers because vinca over the winter tends to get a bit tatty and it does benefit from a good pruning back. Give it a feed and it'll be absolutely lovely in May, June, July, August. So you'll rejuvenate the plant completely. So it's called vinca, vinca variegata. Okay, great. Uh, Now, what are the chances that you might have early potatoes left in the shop? Zero. Uh, but having said that, and I was actually thinking about this uh, on the way over, like potatoes have just sold out and um, people have, have gone mad planting uh, vegetables and, and grow your own this year. But what you could do, just out of desperation, I mean, if you think what people did hundreds of years ago, you see the seed potatoes that you buy today are what we call certified seed potatoes. So they're certified to be pest and disease free by the Department of Agriculture. And so when you buy the little certified bags in your garden centre, that's physically what you're buying. And they're guaranteed to be true to type that they're Duke of York or whatever. So they're a certified potato. But having said that, if you don't, if you can't get them, which you won't probably get them now, uh, you could grow a couple of spuds. So if you've got a few Golden Wonder potatoes that you bought in your shops mm-hmm. and they're beginning to bud, why not plant a, a few of those as outside or put them in a couple of pots and give it a go? So if you have roosters or uh, curse pink or small, you want them roughly about the size of a hen's egg. That sort of side is very good for seed. So grab a few of those, plant them in a in a in a grow in a in a bag, maybe a veggie bag or a, a container with compost. Put them in two layers. So put a layer of compost in, three or four tubers, another layer of compost, another couple of tubers. Fill up the pot, leave it outside on the patio, let it grow, and you have a bit of fun with the kids growing the spuds and and see what you get during the the summer period. So you can use kind of shop-bought potatoes as well. Yeah. And sure, look, the no, others are better. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. yeah. In the absence of anything else, yes. that might be just a, a good option and you never know, you might get a nice oh, you surprise. Will. You will get a crop, yeah. Now, uh, another photograph here, which we've had a look at, it's an indoor plant, Porek, um, a tallish one um, with slightly reddish leaves uh, that are going brown at the top. Um, 
not looking too happy, says Phil. Uh, yeah. What is it or so what this, do we need to do? This is a bromeliad. Bromeliads are often called the urn plant and you wash them from the centre. So you see a little kind of a, uh, an urn in the centre where you actually put water. So bromeliads come to us from the rainforest. They're, they're epiphytes, which means they live in trees and um, they're not long-lived. So the plant itself grows, it starts to flower, it dies and then it produces little, little offshoots. So Nora might might notice some little offshoots on the, around the base of the plant. If you can, take those off with a sharp knife, put them into a fresh pot of compost and start them off again because the bromeliad itself is going to die over the next four or five or six weeks. So it slowly kind of starts to deteriorate. Mm. So bromeliads are not really a long-term plant. Right. If you get two years, the 18 months, two years out of them, they tend to, that's it. They've, 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 that's, that's, they've done their job. They've done their job and they produce these little offsets around the edges. Keep an eye out for those. You can take those off the plant, repot them and grow them on. But you're not going to keep the the mother plant, as it were, for much longer. Okay. Now, another photograph in, uh, it's kind of a, a nevergreen type uh, shrub. Conifer, Conifer. Yeah. It's in a pot. Yeah. Uh, looking a bit shook on yeah, the, sure uh, particularly is. the lower parts anyway. Uh, what do we do with this plant? Is it dead? Well, the bottom of it is certainly showing a lot of browning, but on top it's still got, uh, you know, 90% of, of golden foliage. All that's wrong with the plant is it's starved in the pot, it's under stress, and actually the lower branches are going off first. So take it out of the pot, plant it in the garden. Now do be careful because this is a plant called Macrocarpa. It grows quite fast and quite vigorous. So you need to either to keep it trimmed back as a, as a kind of a, a, a clipped plant or clipped, um, you know, keep the topiary type plant um, because if you plant it and let it go, it will grow quite big. So plant it out into the garden. Now this weekend would be ideal to do that. Put down a bit of compost, a bit of fertiliser with it, get it going. You can prune back any of the dead pieces on the plant and that'll kickstart it. Okay, great. A couple of questions here on camellias. A lady has a camellia plant. She has a blanket on it to protect it from the frost. When can she take it off and what should she feed it with? And uh, somebody else has a camellia that they bought five years ago. And while it hasn't died, it hasn't grown or flowered. It was in a pot at first. Then I planted it out using the right type of compost. Okay. Uh, presumably that's the ericaceous. They yeah, used the ericaceous feed all last season. Still no new growth, either leaves or flowers. But what's there is still green. What okay. am I doing? wrong. Okay. Only plant I've ever had that's not thrived and I'm so disappointed. Ah, well, I, obviously the situation, like camellias are a woodland plant, so they tend to like to be in a little bit of shade in the morning, ideally, um, somewhere sheltered as well. So they don't like an open uh, part of the garden. So it has to be relatively sheltered, ideally some shade in the morning, um, because that stops the staining on the flowers and um, out of any cold wind. So uh, the, the situation isn't right for the plant if it's not producing new growth. It could also be buried maybe too deeply. So sometimes when you're transplanting plants, if you put them down a couple of inches too deep, the, the roots are beneath the level of, they need oxygen effectively. And if they're not close to the surface, you can get this kind of stunted growth. The plant just doesn't physically grow, it just sits there. So my advice really is to change location. And I would do that actually at this time of year, even though it's getting a bit late, I'd still dig it up gently and transplant it somewhere else using the ericaceous compost and continue with the feeding. In the previous question, yes, so the, the covering it, yeah. only, it only needs to be covered at night time because what you're trying to do is keep the frost off the buds because if it's frost and you get sun in the morning, typically the weather we're having at the moment, the flowers and camellias get stained oh, okay. because of the frost because the cold frost, they're thawing out very quickly and you get this staining in the flower. Now, it only affects the flowers that tend to be open. So the listener's doing the right thing, covered at night time, take the, the uh, blanket off in the morning, 
let it enjoy the sunshine and put it back on if there's frost promised. There's no need to be covering it every night. Most of the, mm. the night this week, this week we hadn't frost. No. So just keep an eye out for when frost is promised and cover and it over. It. Continue to liquid feed it with the ericaceous feed, the liquid feed or a granulated feed. You're doing everything right and that just builds the plant up for next year. Okay, fantastic. Now I know somebody had sent us in a picture of a weed Yes. Uh, which was fairly prolific. Yeah, it's ground elder. Okay. Bishop, bishop weed or ground elder. So it's, it's a perennial weed that it disappears in the winter, you don't see it, but at this time of year it comes back with vigour. And the problem with bishop weed is it's very difficult to dig it out of the ground. The more you dig it, the more it t- you tend to spread it. Um, so it's one that I do advocate using a, a, a treatment, a, a weed killer on. So I would use the Weed Free 360. Um, you apply it onto the foliage of, of ground elder. It takes it into the system of the plant and goes down to the root and kills it. So it's bishop weed. It's quite invasive. When it's in your garden, it tends to spread mad. And um, the more you dig it, just the more you propagate it, to be quite honest. So it's one that definitely I would use, uh, you know, one of the rare times you'd actually use a, a, a weed killer to control it. It's just one of those persistent weeds that, that is difficult to, to manage. Okay, now a couple of people having difficulty, I suppose, just because of the delay in getting orders out uh, from whichever side they're getting them. Um, difficulty getting carrot and broccoli seeds. The garden is dug, but I suppose I, I, the question maybe would be, you know, how long do we have to plant oh, there's those? Plenty, there's plenty of time to sow you know. the seeds of carrots, of, of broccoli, of, you know, you've, we're, it's still only April. We're only so, starting. Yeah, so all through May and June, you can still sow um, many seeds of, of uh, vegetable plants and edibles right up to you know even in August there's a whole range of autumn vegetables that you can sow and winter vegetables you can sow as well so the sowing of seed kind of starts obviously in the spring but it right goes right through until even September there are plants vegetable plants that you can plant in September both plants both bulbs and seed at that time of year so um if you have to wait a week or two, look at once you can get your hands on some seed, you can start sowing again. Okay. I've two archways. I'd like to get climbers for them. And when can I get those plants? Uh, can we sow those from seed? And, uh, not Well, you could sow sweet peas, certainly, from seed uh, would, would be good. And and, and then there are other uh, annual climbing plants like nasturtiums that would grow from seed. Um, if the listener is looking kind of for a nice climbing rose, maybe, or a clematis or a honeysuckle, which would typically, what you'd use on an arch, then you're You'll just have to wait till the plant centres are back in action again. A couple of uh, different trees with some fungus or lichen growing yeah, on them. Lichen, yeah, uh, A couple of questions in, in relation to that. What what would be the general rule of thumb with that? Well, lichen lichen is a, it's a bit like moss. It tends to grow on the bark and the stems of plants. Now, it's actually an indication that we've got very good air quality because uh, lichen won't grow where there's smog or there's poor air quality. So that's one thing to note. But you tend to find the pests... Well, aphids will tend to use it as well as a to to uh, hibernate in. It tends to come off very easy. If you had a, a you know a stiff brush type of thing, would take it off um, off the the stems of plant. If you want to treat it, then you could actually use a little bit of the zero. Would get rid of it as well that we use on the lawns. That would get rid of of lichen as well on on plants. Or I often take the power hose to my trees around the garden, particularly the birch trees, because it takes all the moss and lichen off them. But it also defoliates or de uh, what's the word I'm looking for exfoliates the the bark wow. and, and, and produce this lovely white bark so it's no harm every couple of years to take the power washer and clean off the stems of your trees and it just brings them cleans them up and tidies them up okay 
just say somebody somebody has sent us in a picture of a lizard-like creature that they found in their garden. It's fairly lizardy looking, all right. I'm, we're probably not in a position to answer that. I haven't, it I haven't seen the like picture. It, yeah, it looks kind but of like. But you get the, the the turf the, lizard, is it? The lizard from the bog, whatever that that Irish lizard. Or, uh, okay, he's yeah. a yeah. I don't. Th- I don't he's know. probably not doing any harm, except he's probably hoovering up a few. A few uh, of the aphids, uh, yeah, the carnivores. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll yeah, be hoovering yeah, up yeah, all the yeah, bits and yeah. bobs. Novelty, yeah, flies. Novelty, I think. Yeah. Uh, somebody's wondering about scarifying the lawn. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this, what we mean by scarifying, scarifying it, you can actually buy a, 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 or hire a machine called a scarifier, which effectively has got these special tines or wires that, that literally just tear at the surface of your lawn and they rip out any dead moss. Now, it it's a tough enough job and it, it does leave the lawn looking a bit horrendous. But having said that, again, it, it cleans out all the dead thatch and, and all the dead uh, moss out of your lawn as well. So if you can get your hands on a scarifier, a petrol scarifier, they're a brilliant machine and they will tear out any dead moss. Particularly if you kill the moss, first of all, it tends to be a lot easier to pull the, the dead moss out rather than the green moss. Um, but you'd be amazed what a scarifier, how much dead moss and old thatch. And it just helps the aeration of the lawn and um, you're getting rid of that dead layer, as it were, of of moss and, and thatch. Okay. Thatch is a build-up of the little grass clippings. Bits of them fall onto the ground and they create this kind of layer of what we call thatch. Um, so it doesn't That's do a huge amount of harm, but, but yeah, yeah, scarifying the lawn maybe every couple of years, yeah, it's, definitely. It's a, good, it's a good thing yeah, to do, yeah, just absolutely. A, a bit of work involved. Yeah. And people now, have time at the moment to do those things. We'll, leave, we'll, we'll end on this question. My pear tree is four years old, Porrick. It produced no pears yet. Flowers, but no pears. Any tips to get pears? Okay, well, and four years is relatively young and, and pears and plum trees and damsons and cherries tend to take a number of years to settle down to flowering and fruiting. Um, having said that, I would feed it again with a, a rose feed, a high potash feed, I'd also introduce another partner to the tree because, you know, if you've got two pear trees or two apple trees, you're, of course you're going to get better cross-pollination. And pears flower early in the season, so we tend not to have a lot of insect activity. So they tend to be a, uh, you know, you'll get those years where the pears flower brilliantly, but because of the lack of the honeybee or some of the other insects to cross-pollinate them, you just don't get a fruit set. They're not as reliable. It's probably a better way okay. to put it than than uh, apples because apples flower later. So my advice is to feed a good rose feed and put in uh, another variety of pear to give it a bit of companionship. Okay, we'll have to leave it at that. I'm afraid there's loads of questions we didn't get to. So we'll be here next week again. We'll be here next week again. Apologies if we didn't get and to And remember them. Nora Ralph's uh, Facebook page. It's Nora on, on food. food. Give her a thumbs up and you'll enjoy a couple of video, videos that you'll see okay, there. Okay, looking forward to checking that out a bit, la- a bit later on. Uh, thanks indeed for uh, your company and the questions and hopefully we've given you lots of information. Have yourselves a wonderful uh, Easter weekend. Uh, Michael Leary up after the news at 10 with Con- Country Classics until then. Good morning to you.